Welcome to the Science of Psychotherapy podcast with your hosts, Richard Hill and Matthew Darlitz. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Science of Psychotherapy podcast. I'm Matthew Darlitz, Editor-in-Chief of the Science of Psychotherapy magazine, and I'm here with Managing Editor, good friend, and always acting, Richard Hill. Yes, acting away. I'm I'm here. I've I've uh, we'll we'll learn a bit um, uh, when we talk about being the verb. Uh, so I'm very verbal, <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's great to be here again as always. Because and I'm being a bit sort of relaxed and, and easy because we've got a, another great friend of ours uh, on the show today, Paul Leslie, from uh, Paul J Leslie is his distinction. Uh, there must be a bunch of Paul Leslies, <laughs> but Paul in the in the states of Carolina, so we'll get his beautiful uh, southern drawl and he's written a new book that's right transforming themes creative perspectives on therapeutic interaction yeah yeah and i mean he's been such a great writer on this idea of the mm. creative therapist of the interactive therapist uh, and uh, uh really challenging challenging the the standard forms and the set practices which is just terrific and speaking of books, uh, we have been giving away some books from our bookshelf. Uh, we're calling it our bookshelf giveaway, and uh, we, we're finding that uh, there's a, there's a bunch of things that uh, I, I'm no longer really making reference to, but I thought they could be useful for someone else. So I thought I'll give them away. So go and check that out. Um, I'll leave a link in the show notes to where you can go to find out the latest book giveaway. Yeah, fantastic. And these, you know, just the books that um, real standards, you know, that, mm. that, that, that uh, some people haven't yet bought so they can grab them from us, which is terrific. Okay, brilliant. Well, Richard, let's go across and talk to our friend, Paul Leslie. Good morning uh, or evening, Paul. Thanks again for joining us here on the Science of Psychotherapy podcast. It's uh, great to catch up with you. Well, uh, good morning to you. It's always uh, you guys get up so early to talk to me. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm just impressed uh, that you're, you know you're up at five or six or whatever to just talk to little old me while I enjoy my five p.m. After work social hours. Uh, well, well, I, I'm I'm sick of you, Paul. It, uh, I tell you, <laughs> it, it's either it's either uh, early in the morning or traveling, you know, five thousand miles on a jet. So, uh, uh, so we're not doing the, we're not doing the latter. So we're doing the former. But very exciting. Uh, I mean, we have to have you on every five minutes because you've done another book, which is <laughs> which is terrific, and we're very excited about uh, about this. I just love the cover. Um, now, the the title we, we've mentioned, transforming themes, and we'll we'll get into that. And for those that um, you know, go look it up. There's this magnificent thing of a wire. Uh, it's not quite barbed wire, but it could have been a barbed wire fence, <laughs> and and some of the the chains have been released and and they're flying. It's really fabulous. I I, I really uh, love the imagination and the, the the metaphor in that. So well done there. But but here it is. Tell us a bit about uh, how you got permission to write another book. But you know just just how this became possible because it's always difficult. You know writing it, but then getting it published and so on and so forth. Yeah. Well, uh, this one uh, came about, um, I, I had realized uh, over time that uh, through all the things that we've talked about previously, that there seems to be a trend uh, that we're, we've gone back to in a lot of therapies, not all, but a lot, to kind of have a very uh, simplistic, linear look at how to help people change and transform. And I would sometimes get these 
very uh, complex cases. And I, I would try to uh, get down to the, the root problem of whatever that was. And one thing that occurred to me is with all the research that, that we talked about uh, previously on the common factors, you know, people like our mutual friend Scott Miller, Bruce Wampole, John Norcross, I could name 100 names, where they showed that no one uh, of the major therapies or theories is any better than the other, they all seem to be based on an idea that the client and the therapist has to buy into the therapist's way of working or the therapist's explanation. Because all a, a, a psychotherapy theory is, is an explanation. There is no uh, empirical evidence that any one of them is the gospel truth, regardless of you know the psychotherapy marketplace wanting you to believe that one is. And if they're all can be effective, it got me wondering. It's like so. It's it's like this theme when when a a client comes in and says, uh, you know, I'm 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 going through a horrible uh, divorce and I'm depressed. That the client is bringing in a theme. And so what the therapist does is jump in with uh, their theme of, well, it sounds like, you know, this is a, a part of life and you have some uh, cognitive distortions that are making it worse. So they buy into kind of the theme that the client brings in. And I got the idea of a theme is kind of like uh, a movie you know, or a play. You go to see uh, a play or a movie, and a lot of times the title's based on the action that's happening in the interaction of the movie. So if uh, the, the the man or woman who comes in and they're depressed because of the divorce, the theme they're bringing in is, uh, I feel, might be, I feel my life is over because of the divorce. And any attempt to change and adjust uh, that theme uh, is difficult for a lot of uh, therapists because they have to operate within the theme that the client brings. They just rename things. So if somebody comes in and says, I have I have anxiety, and they go, okay, we well, have generalized anxiety disorder. It's probably id impulses trying to overwhelm the ego. Well, that's still the theme of anxiety. You're just renaming what's happening. Oh, it's actually you have irrational beliefs. Well, you're still in the theme of anxiety. So for me, when it got down to generative healing, uh, it, it came that therapists have to be creative sometimes to take clients outside of these limited or impoverished themes that they're operating out of. These, well, I kind of like I said, I think of movie titles like, you know, The Man Who Won't Forgive or, or The Woman Who's Terrified or The Child Who's Bad or whatever it is, the theme, and to move outside that theme uh, and begin to operate in a new theme, not just, not just uh, ignoring, but taking some aspect of what's happening and moving it into a different uh, perspective. And once the theme has changed, then the action that's happening uh, has to change because the theme changes. So if someone says, uh, uh, well, here's a quick example, I had a, a client, and there's actually a transcript in the uh, in the book uh, in several years since I saw this client, but she uh, was suffering from depression and uh, pretty much told me she had been self-harming and so showed me she'd been cutting on her arms and that kind of 
uh, unfortunate things. So the thing she brought in is, uh, I feel empty. Uh, so I would say, a uh, woman who feels empty might be her, her thing. But in looking at her arm, I was so amazed at the precision and the creativity that she used to cut because she'd been doing this for quite a while. And the way she did it, the way she did it, where it was just enough in a certain place so that if she did have to push the sleeve of her shirt up, someone still wouldn't see it. And, you know, you have to cut around the other cuts because that would open those cuts. And I remarked, it was almost like she was an artist knowing just where to cut. And that led us, uh, make a long story short, into a theme of that she has this, this part of an artist that's not... She doesn't know where to take her creativity. So she's using her body as a, as a canvas or, you know, she, she's the, the block of wood that the sculptor is working on. And until uh, we find a way to take that artistic creativity and put it somewhere else, uh, you know, it, it was natural that she would do this. So I transforming the theme led to let's start investigating art schools. Uh, if something you're interested in, let's, you know, how can we start painting or, and we really didn't talk much about that original theme that she brought in. It became a new thing about the heart of an artist. And within a session or two, we started seeing a decrease in the uh, depression, a decrease in the cutting, an increase in her interacting in a positive way with uh, her grandmother, who was her, her closest relative and, and also with her parents. And I truly believe that if I had spent time focusing on the, the original thing, I could have made some progress because we know that psychotherapy as a whole works. But that, um, I hate to use the term brief, but that brief transformative experience uh, might not have occurred if I stayed within that initial thing. So for me, it's whatever they're bringing in, they already have a thing. And if I'm continuing to play inside that theme, I might also be inadvertently uh, reinforcing that thing, which unfortunately a lot of uh, therapies uh, end up doing with the best of intentions. So just like, for example, you have a, th a therapy or a style therapy called trauma-focused therapy. Um, totally is a empirical and, and all that, but where's the focus in the therapy? It's on the trauma. So they're stuck in, uh, really limited therapists will be stuck and only see that as we're going to work only on uh, the, the trauma. But obviously effective trauma uh, therapists tend to go outside the trauma to build resources to, to bring back in. So they have to go out to different things to bring in to that primary thing. Uh, I've just written some notes here just to summarize so I get this right because this all plays into our reductionistic linear way of thinking, you know, because we, we love this direct cause and effect thing. And so as therapists, we're in the room and we're open to cues, you say themes, right? And we, we might have a propensity to be listening out for certain themes so we have a bit of a bias. As soon as we hear the cue, we jump in and we have a theory that we can immediately apply based on the theme. And then we lock ourselves into this specific um, and, and limited perspective that we impose upon the client, the session, ourselves. And then we're on the train track and that's where we go. Right. Yeah. You correctly? Yeah, exactly. And, and again, I don't want to disparage you know, other ways of doing therapy. It's, it's just I have found that the truly transformative therapist and you look throughout history, I mean, uh, uh, you know, the 20th century, 
they would find some kind of new thing to take uh, their clients to. But you, you go back, even, even some of the ones that stay within the theme, they're fairly creative mm-hmm. uh, people. So how do they, they be like Carl Whitaker, where he would just say the craziest things. It's in the theme, but it was just so much that would just create a new experience. And that very new experience creates a new theme, a new way of relating uh, yeah. to the therapist. I remember uh, reading a, a transcript where basically it was a family came to see Carl Whitaker. And uh, uh, it, 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 he's, Carl picked up real quick that there was a dynamic between the, the mom and the dad because one kid was sitting with the dad and the other kid was sitting with mom. And mom was almost coddling this uh, the twelve-year-old. I mean, stroking his head almost in, 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 in just this extreme loving way. So Carl just looks at her and points at the kid. Says, "So your second marriage is going better than your first one." And he points at the husband, and it's totally upset her. But that wow, that's a whole new, different way to look at that. that in that moment, even if he, he never said another thing, the theme of therapy changed, which I think was. Uh, you know, there's a problem with with one of the kids, but now it's changed to you know who, who why is the mom more attracted metaphorically to this child than to be attracted to the husband? So it totally transformed uh, the session. And uh, as Carl said, uh, they can disagree with me, but they can't ignore me on the therapy. <laughs> what I find interesting about the the work, and particularly in the books that that you did, and some of the sort of the positive comments, negative comments, almost the same thing. Oh, yes, but that's too simple or that's too straightforward or, 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 or yeah, yeah, if we could just do that or um, no, we don't. But actually, to me, this is fundamental. This is fundamental. And what's beautiful uh, is you're bringing out film. Now, here I go back to my, uh, uh, you know, everything I know in psychotherapy I learned in acting school. Um, but it is. Uh, literature tells us so much fantastic stuff about this. Now, because in film, in writing uh, uh, drama, which is a, a reasonable and fair uh, representation of of life, you know, you can have settings, but you have these this theme of shift, this theme of changing the verb, changing the action, and it's very much about creating. Uh, and in, they actually use the term in writing scripts, turning point. You'll have a turning point where the um, the framework and the the belief. Uh, and so here we come into cognitive things that cognitive behavioural therapy touches on. Or you might uh, come into the physical uh, nature of things, which we see in some films, that changes the way everything works. I'm, I'm just thinking of, uh, oh, and I forget the title of it now, so I won't, I won't go further. But the, um, this idea of the, but what if, or, and... Now we go back to to um, strategic psychotherapy. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. Paul Waslowitz, uh, mm-hmm. Waslowick, uh, with the as if uh, essence, and of course, strategic therapy. The father of strategic therapy comes back to uh, our dear friend uh, Milton Erickson. Mm-hmm. So, so many of the themes that exist within uh, uh, established therapies, I think dance around this but miss the point because they're so busy trying to do the work for the client and uh, as you say what we do then is we become so busily involved in repairing the theme uh, mm-hmm. that the metaphor I use uh, is with with clients quite a lot is saying is that you know someone's uh, uh, swimming 
uh, but they're going crazy and they're they're just you know they're, they're they're drowning and they're worried about this and that. But what if what's bothering them is the fact that they're wet? Mm-hmm. You know, they literally have to get out of the water, that out of that theme, out of that framework, and into a different mm-hmm. framework to go. Ah, oh, so I don't have to be wet. Oh, I'd never thought about that. No, I mm-hmm. don't have to. I don't have to actually interpret everything through trauma. Oh, I'd never thought about that. I actually now have a positive. So on and so forth is what you're saying. But but you go through in there, uh, you know, talking about these these inner resources, uh, which you talk about the creativity. Now, where do these come up? You know, I've had my ramble. Uh, you know, this. Are you just looking for, uh, now I only, uh, only used to call them creative moments, uh, but also uh, I think you're actually investigating. It's a little bit more than just uh, letting something pop up. You're investigating as you did with that, uh, uh, that dear lady with the cutting and you go, just a minute, this looks like something else to me because I'm not stuck in the theme. Is, right. is, is that the, the creativity you're talking about for, yeah. in you, in the therapist? Uh, well, certainly, and, and as, as I've said before, and you guys say almost every podcast, <laughs> therapy is a co-creative kind of experience. We, we're paying attention to our client, and your client, client sometimes is contributing because I could never have changed that theme if I hadn't been shown that arm. So I can sit back and say, well, I'm just this creative genius, but the creativity, I mean, that just would not have happened if the client hadn't had, to, had the courage to actually pull up the sleeve a little more and actually say, this is what I'm doing, you know. Years ago, I started studying this field called general semantics uh, by a, a guy named Alfred Korzybski. It came out in the 1940s and 50s. And Korzybski's idea, uh, I mean, there's a lot of ideas, but the core idea is that there is an event, a event we register at the neurological level. And then we just, from that point on, we abstract out with language. And uh, as a little side note, uh, a lot of people don't know, Korzybski uh, had uh, many famous uh, psychotherapists like Fritz Perls, Albert Ellis, Carl Rogers, George Kelly, were students of his and got a lot of ideas from it. But I, I started thinking of that, that abstracting, and that, in a way, is what uh, psychotherapy is. Uh, theories are are really constructions. If we look at this from a social construction lens, we cannot prove that there is an id or an ego or a superego. And we can't really prove for definite that it is an irrational belief that's being challenged that creates uh, change. We can only measure the after effects. And if they're all getting results, then psychotherapy is not a real thing which, I mean, we, we intellectually know that, but we treat it as if it's a thing. We treat it as if it's a noun and it's just a verb. You know, we ought to call it psychotherapy. Yeah. And yeah, that yeah, that's really, really for me, yeah. got the idea of if, if, it's, if it's a process, then I'm constructing or co-constructing with this client. So now therapy for me, and not only for me, I mean, if, if, if somebody's listening and you're doing what works for you, keep it up, but... If I'm constructing these things and co-constructing with my client and everything else is a social construction, I cannot say with any authority what is real and what isn't. I can only say is what's happening now working. Are we moving to a more empowering, more transformative moment rather than, okay, I got to fall back on my 
training as a CBT, DBT, MBT, all the acronyms, ACT, and all. And those, it's important to know those things. But when I lock myself into that, I'm buying into an idea that it's a, a noun instead of a verb. And constructing new things is a process. It's not a thing. I, I wish I could, there's a part of me, uh, particularly when I look at my paycheck, going like, gee, I wish I could trans- uh, trademark transforming thing therapy and tell you an exact way to, yeah. to do it. Because apparently that's the way you make yeah. it uh, these days, you know. That's, I mean, that's just, the way you make money. Yeah. Yeah. But it is but what that, it is. But that, that, yeah, I mean, and using that semantic uh, and, and grammatical frame, because uh, I'm of the school that, that, uh, that, that language is, is, um, emerges out of, uh, co-cre- it's co-created with personality and, and, and human instincts and things. But the, the idea that, uh, the client is busily trying to uh, act out their noun, which is the theme. You know, I am. You know, I am this particular thing, uh, and that's not therapy. I'm actually uh, got uh, a few people, okay, well, a couple of people at the moment, anyway. And I and I and I keep I keep saying, while you keep acting out everything that I say, and try and turn it back into your noun. Uh, that's not therapy, and I'm I'm just now someone you're chatting to. You know, you you might as well just go down the pub and uh, talk to the bartender who who'll, who'll agree with you. Um, which is some of the problematic stuff with um, uh, when someone misunderstands the the intention of person-centered therapy, for example, where they just go, "Aha, yes, I agree," so on and so forth, because it's not about agreeing. Uh, and if you read Rogers more carefully, he's very much about saying. Uh, this this stuff as well. Well, I think th- that's that's true, and it's it's just so hard to say what you're going to do in the next moment. And so, going back to kind of what Richard, what you said about you know, it's how some people say, oh, it's just so simple, and it's just too. I mean, it's kind of like if I can use the parallel here. Um, I saw a while back on um, you know, some social media thing about Ernest Rossi's mirroring hands, which both of you know a little bit about. And this person's like, well, I don't see the big deal. It's just simple. You just hold it in your hands and like that. And, and our, our mutual friend, Stephen Brooks, who's a brilliant Ericksonian therapist, wrote in and says, it, you are not seeing all these amazing nuances because it's video of Ernie doing it, you know, that that. You know, you're just you're not. He said it in a very nice way, but basically, you're missing all of these things because you're so focused on the hands. So, and and this idea that we have to to do something, Ernie's thing of let things emerge. Well, in a way, to write Ernie's coattails a little bit, this is really we could call it emerging therapy because the the theme, a new thing emerges. I can't. Uh, say what's going to happen in the the session. Some sessions I'll get right to the end and I'm feeling pretty crappy because no new transformative thing comes in, then it just appears. Something offhand comment. And and like with, with Rogers, just giving people a space to be who they are gives you so much to work with that cramming it up with ideas and, and theories uh, may limit new things from emerging, particularly if you're already kind of putting your client in your preferred thing. But if they accept it and it works, that that's okay. But if it doesn't, you may be inhibiting that that emergence. 
that's that's actually more complex. I think that's it. It's because it's it is complex. If a couple's arguing and they they do this for six months a year and it's loud screaming, they're upset, and then you come in as a therapist say, okay, well this is a behavioral pattern, and you interrupt the pattern like uh, MRI. Uh, uh, we mentioned Wasloik, and you know, that's good stuff. But that's a linear thing. It's a circular problem, but it's linear. But what if the higher emotional complex state is now resentment? They may not be arguing anymore, but that higher complexity is, is this emotional state called resentment. So if we only see things as a logical, uh, linear uh, thing, and we're, we're missing these higher orders of interaction that have happened, even though we've changed things, uh, we're, we're missing a great deal of material to, to help people move move along a little further, if you mm. And uh, Richard and I were talking the other day. Uh, well, I was I was sort of taking note of in in terms of creating space um, mm-hmm. for emergent things to to happen. Um, just how much discipline it does take to provide the space. And Richard was telling me about uh, a client of his. I don't know if Richard wants to expound on that, but just an incredible amount of of discipline required to create. The, the needed space, um, and in that particular situation, probably uh, more patience and discipline than I had. So, <laughs> well, yes, it, uh, and and it is that thing. I mean, uh, uh, Rogers talked about this. Erickson talked about it. This this in in, in his own way, uh, the words. But this thing of uh, of the circumstances and uh, creating the circumstances, and what, what I call is that uh, I talk about uh, that the therapist's task is to create the opportunity and the appropriate circumstances. Uh, for therapeutic change to change to occur, uh, and uh, so often, and I think what what you're talking about, Paul, is that I think a lot of therapists create a lot of different types of circumstances, and some of them are okay. And I guess the the best way I put it is is some therapists take someone to a house and open the door and then let the client wander. Uh, and the client does certain things. Others will take them in and take them to a particular room and let the client wander. And it doesn't mean that the client isn't going to get benefit from that room or get benefit from the open source. It's just that it's a different type of circumstance that the client is then able to utilise. And uh, and you seem to be much more in the frame of uh, maybe even not opening the front door, just saying, there's the house, where do you want to go? Uh, is, is that sort of, uh, I think you're much more open, as you say, much more improvisational and and well responsive to to where the client goes yeah I, I, that's something that I'm, I'm i'm trying to cultivate more of i have a, a tendency my personality is a rather type a personality uh hence the ridiculous amount of books i've written in a short period of time which i need to i think i'm going to like writers anonymous or something to kind of break that you know there's a pattern <laughs> that needs a little break there but uh it, i used to be very very directive when I started, but I'm finding that I can't remember who said this, uh, just being indirectly direct or directly indirect and giving, like I said, giving that space. But then when, when something pops up, being indirect enough for it to pop up and then direct enough to go, no, 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 we need to go here. We need to, to, to the other day I had a, a guy come in and he's, uh, he's depressed because because of, of his career. And he just said something like he loves to cook. And so my brain, go there, go there. So, we, I mean, within 10 minutes, we're talking about how much he loves Italian food, he loves to travel. So you ever thought about opening a tour company where you can take people to Italy 
and have, have set up like a tour and then they can spend half a day with, you know, Italian chefs and you get to learn all about cooking and eat all their food and they actually pay you handsomely to do it. And I, I don't know if that'll even happen, but yet it got him excited about what well, I never thought about that. And it doesn't matter if nothing happens. It's a new thing to take uh, the therapy. It doesn't well, mean the, that we're ignoring it. The other yeah, stuff. Is just, that's the co-creative thing that, that right, you're saying right. is that is that um, uh, Erickson was was also with this utilization that it was it was that the therapist had input, you know, had there was authority to input. And the misinterpretation, I think, sometimes of Rogers is that the therapist just doesn't put anything in at all, which is uh, uh, um, incorrect, I think, in analysis. But this idea, but it's co-creative in response to the client rather than you coming in and, and saying, hey, I've just been thinking about uh, cooking because I like cooking and, and you should do this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you weren't taking it from, your, your ideas, you were actually inspired um, by the client's ideas, by what mm -hmm. their, their resources. You know, so sometimes we, um, because of our education, how we're educated on how to do therapy, even in a physical space, can be limiting. So, you know, some of us might have been taught, you know, you have to be in this, you know, particular um, space with a lot of scaffolding around so that you're legally protected so that there's a safe space and everything. Mm -hmm. But what if the um, client is uncomfortable in a small room with you, you know, and I've been in that that place where we've sort of just gone out and gone for a walk or met in a cafe. Um, and in some circles, that's a big no, no, you're, no, you don't go and you don't meet the client in a, in a public space um, or, well, it, these days when everything's on Zoom, um, you know, what if they're more comfortable just on the phone? What if um, they're more comfortable with uh, just emailing? But then there's a whole lot of stuff that can come up in our minds about, well, how, you know, we're missing out on, on different channels of communication if we're not on Zoom with, you know, a really good secure mm -hmm. network. I, I don't know. There's just, there's just a lot of things that um, we can maybe unconsciously find ourselves boxed into a certain way of uh, engaging clients. Absolutely. And that's, it's real hard to get out of that box. Mm. And it's almost like you have to do it enough conscious, like any habit, do it enough consciously to get out. And then you find that it's a little easier. I learned a little bit. Uh, I had a, a colleague, I wasn't close to him, but he uh, many years ago went to a, um, seminar with a guy named Frank Farrelly who's passed away and he came up with this type of therapy called provocative therapy. Essentially, he would provoke people into getting angry, upset, frustrated, or laughing so it would kind of change things. It, it, I think it's a uh, it's an acquired taste, let's put it that way. But this guy, uh, <laughs> a, a, like a withered arm and he got up on stage to do some work with 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 Frank, and he, he had everything planned up, what he was going to say. And, you know, but he wanted to talk about something with, with his work. And Frank, it was just kind of this across the old Irishman, kind of, I mean, Irish-American kind of looked at him and he says, you must not feel like much of a man with an arm like that. And mm, he said, yeah, I don't wow. know what happened, but he hit me you know, right in the chest, and he said, 20 minutes later, I came off the stage and I felt like a burden had been lifted off me. I was mad. I cried. I was upset. At the end, he had me laughing at myself and went off. So the reason I bring that up is, what did, what did Frank say to this guy that he told to me? He says, always take what's obvious. 
So, Frank, that was obvious. You have a withered arm. You're a middle-aged man with a withered arm. So, for me, maybe I'll do it a different way. What's the resource that's obvious rather than, you know, trying to, okay, let's, what's, the, what's the psychobabble that I'm going to tell myself on whatever? What's the resource that's obvious? What pops up? Cutting in a pattern. To me, that's obvious. That takes some skill. Cooking, that's a skill. So it's like given our, I say this every time I talk to you, I'm so sorry I'm a broken record, <laughs> giving us permission to just get in there and let things happen, have that flexibility to see what emerges and to run with it. And like you say, we've got so many other things boxing us in, we forget what's obvious. So instead of taking a liability, we may be taking a resource that's obvious. There was there was a really interesting thing of uh, uh, going back to acting again. There's some, some everyone. I think well, I do really do think every therapist should do some acting training. But, but, but one of the famous actors, and he was saying that um, he used to be on the side of the stage and and he'd be just about to go on for his thing, and he'd sort of he said I'd, I'd stand up a bit straighter, and I'd say because I'm going to act now, and uh, you know he he would go out there, and and what and what he said what am I doing what what's this going on? He said because he'd go on stage and and he'd be he, there'd be an itch on his forehead or something, but he wouldn't scratch it because I'm acting, and uh, you know. Whereas he said it just all shifted. I just went on stage sometime. My head was itching and I scratched it and uh, nothing happened. It was fine. It was, but just that, that permission he gave, I had to give himself permission to move outside the, the, the structure. Uh, and now he's he's one of those actors that's you know it's always touching things and doing stuff. And I'm saying you got you got a lot of sensations going on in your body, man. but but um, uh, and the 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 idea of method acting is that you get into the character so that you you, you respond to their you create their naturalness. But that's the term naturalness. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, naturalness of response, and you you get the idea. I mean, I agree with you. I might not have said to him the opinion, which was, you got a withered arm, you must feel not like a man. Mm. You know, maybe that was a bit, but it was like the, you know, the elephant in the room. Uh, interesting. So, mm. so mm. interesting. But uh, Albert Ellis was a bit like that too, you know. He would he would just, someone would say, I feel doing this stuff, and he'd say, well, why do you believe that shit? <laughs> it's just <it's> extraordinary. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah. and then they'd, they'd, they'd get upset and then they go, oh, well, I shouldn't then. And that, you yeah. know, cured, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, provocative therapy. I know a few people that could, uh, you know, just take their natural ability and turn it into a profession. <laughs> yes, yes. Every, most people in pubs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, now, as we're going through with, some, I mean, we've covered a lot of stuff and we're dancing around some things, but because we're getting sort of towards the end of our time, sure. uh, what what have we missed, or, or what's what's something that that uh, we, we haven't let you say? Well, as always, uh, you guys, it's a wonderful flow of ideas, and I think that's one reason why your podcast is so popular is because you you just allow and you interact, and that's good. So I just the, the main thing for me is if therapists, I'm coming to repeat myself here just a little bit, <clears throat> pardon me, if therapists uh, can just realize that every moment is a new creation, you know, you hear that in like the, the pop psychology, you know, every day is a new day, every day, but every moment's a new creation. No matter what you say, you, you're actually creating something. And it may be the creation of 
stabilizing the same thing. So just being comfortable enough to sometimes just ask about something that has nothing to do with the problem or, you know, uh, the big thing of reframing, you know, shifting people's perspectives. You just have to ask them how, you know, that might be different if it was looked at this way or that way. But all of this, unfortunately, is not something that can be taught. And this is what's so mm. problematic, I think, in our education uh, as therapists is that we are given techniques and theories and how, okay, now you go and apply them. But how to apply them, when to apply them, what does your professor say? Well, it kind of depends. Or, you know, in, in really, really bad teachers, they tell you, oh, when they do this, do that. And then you get locked in. So it just requires, I think, people to say, what am I going to create in this moment? If this person who's just shown me their arm that's cut or has a withered arm, what is it that I can help co-create? Because if I'm going to do something, it's going to be a response back. Uh, I remember in one case, I kind of, I, I hate to say this, but intentionally made a very, very depressed client angry because I felt if they got angry, they got energy. And if they're mm -hmm. going to be a little miffed and irritated at me, it slightly shifted the focus of therapy and their emotional state. So if I'm thinking, oh, what's a new thing to create? I have them get mad at me, and then I have to apologize and tell them, yeah, well, I'm not really good there because I'm really sorry. I'll try to do better, whatever it was. But again, uh, using that term strategic, but not so strategic that it's you're following a a, a, a rigid guideline, mm -hmm. but just being strategic in whatever is we use the term utilization, whatever's given allows us to have the freedom with the client to co-create a new thing that is much more life enhancing, empowering, and hopefully effective for whatever they brought to us. Mm, yeah. Well, that that's beautiful. Yeah. I know we're finishing up, but uh, maybe for another conversation, it would be interesting to talk about what we talk about when we talk about the science of psychotherapy, so brain activity and that sort of thing, which almost seems like an antithesis to, you know, what we're talking about in this sort of free flow of, you know, allowing space and things to emerge. Yeah. Um, I, I think there's an interesting juxtaposition yeah. there to talk about. Um, yeah, yeah. What's what? I mean, because there will be. I mean, the, the whole system is is activating. You know, we right. we shift. I mean, this is this is my fascination with curiosity of, of also what it does in the brain, how that starts to change its 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 own chemical balance, and uh, mm -hmm. and and that beautiful thing you said there. I've got someone who's depressed. Well, there's a particular sort of chemical uh, milieu, but because you got them angry, well, that changed the milieu. And okay, maybe wasn't the, the the ideal or the unideal, but it sure as hell wasn't depressed anymore. Right, and, yeah. and that changes the theme. Right. Um, but I mean, if you want to look at it strictly, you know, uh, what do we call it? Uh, pop psychology, neurobiology, shifting to that prefrontal, that executive part of the brain. When people, you know, have that shift. They, they move into their own their own problem solving capacity when they get in an inside of an empowering thing. Mm. Whereas, uh, and again, this is just so so generic sounding, but they get stuck in that reactive brain, which uh, uh, Ledoux calls uh, the, the emotional brain. It, it, it's hard to get into that problem solving ability. It really does take that experience 
which y'all talk about an awful lot, uh, to, to happen. So, yeah, absolutely. There's, and, and that free flow, it, it is, that, that would be an interesting conversation for sure. Well, there's a taster for the next one. Fantastic. <laughs> Well, as always, it's fantastic to have you on the show and um, very stimulating conversation as always. We will give people a link to the new book and uh, thanks for being on the show. It's, it's always a pleasure and I think the, the best part of being here is uh, I always feel like I can just be me because I'm uh, talking to two guys who, who kind of get it. And right. uh, I think that's that's a wonderful gift. So, and I appreciate what y'all bring to the world as well. Thanks. Thanks, Paul. Well, we'll we'll see you, talk to you, write to you, do something soon. Bye for now. Love that. Uh, uh, always great talking to Paul, but really interesting, Matt, what you're bringing up just at the end there, just to, to be reminded, reminding mm. us that that all these things we're talking about have a whole interplay of, of psychological and biological and neurobiological and functional things going on. Everything is happening. You change a theme and you're going to be changing all kinds of things right throughout the body. And we'll, we, we must look into that at another time. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Thank you, everyone, for joining us here on the Science of Psychotherapy podcast. If you do enjoy what we are doing here on the podcast, we would love your support and for you to be a, a part of the tribe over at the scienceofpsychotherapy.net. That's our academy site. That's where you can subscribe and you can get all of our magazines and, and there's teaching material and there's, there's a whole swathe of good stuff there for you. So if you appreciate what we do, the scienceofpsychotherapy.net would love to have you as part of the tribe. So uh, on that note, I think we've done enough for today and uh, everybody go and contemplate their creativity and their uh, fabulous capacity to change their themes. Wonderful. Thanks for joining us here on the Science of Psychotherapy podcast. We will catch you next time. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to the Science of Psychotherapy podcast. For more great science, go to thescienceofpsychotherapy.com.